Section 1 of A Dissertation on the Inspiration of the New Testament. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Dissertation on the Inspiration of the New Testament by Philip Doddridge. A Dissertation on the Inspiration of the New Testament by Philip Doddridge. Nothing can be more evident than that a firm and cordial belief in the inspiration of the sacred scripture is of the highest moment, not only to the edification and peace of the church, but in a great measure to its very existence. For if this be given up, the authority of the revelation is enervated and its use destroyed. The star which is to direct our course is clouded, our compass is broke to pieces, and we are left to make the voyage of life in sad uncertainty, amidst a thousand rocks and shelves and quicksands. I hope, therefore, I may perform a service acceptable to God and my Christian brethren, while I endeavour, as plainly and as briefly as I can, to place some leading proofs of it in a convincing view." and i undertake the task more willingly as in the preface to the first volume of my family expositor i laid myself under an obligation several years ago to attempt something of this kind and have often been reminded of it by persons for whom i have the highest regard i then proposed to handle the subject in a few sermons to be added to those long since published on the evidences of the gospel but on a review of that particular connection, which the argument I am here to pursue has with the history of the New Testament, I apprehend it could nowhere appear better than at the end of my exposition on the books which contain it. The reader will, I hope, recollect that in the sermons just now mentioned, I have endeavoured to demonstrate the truth of that history, and every year convinces me more and more of the unanswerable force of the evidence there displayed. It is with great pleasure that I reflect on the divine blessing which hath seemed to attend those discourses, and it is a great encouragement to me to hope that what I am now to offer may be a means of establishing some of my readers in that regard to the sacred oracles, which will be their best preservative against the errors and the vices of that licentious age in which providence hath cast our lot, whereby our fidelity and our zeal are brought to a trial, which few ages but those of martyrdom could have afforded. It will be my business first to state the nature of inspiration in general and of that kind of it which, as I apprehend, we are to ascribe to the New Testament. I shall then prove that it was undoubtedly written by such inspiration, and after this I shall briefly hint at the influence which this important truth ought always to have upon our temper and conduct by enforcing which i apprehend i shall take the best method to promote a growing persuasion of the truth i am labouring to establish i will only premise that i do not intend this as a full discussion of the subject but only as such a compendious view of the chief proofs as may suit the place in which it stands and as may from the easiest and plainest principles give rational satisfaction to the minds of common christians who have not leisure nor perhaps ability to enter into all the niceties of theological and scholastical controversy. 1. I shall state the nature of inspiration and of that kind of it which we are to ascribe to the New Testament. In this I shall be more particular, as I apprehend the want of a sufficient accuracy here has occasioned some confusion in the reasoning of several worthy persons, who have treated this important subject more largely than I must here allow myself to do. 
I shall not, however, criticise on their account of the matter, but plainly lay down what seems to me intelligible, right, and safe. By inspiration in general, I would understand to mean any supernatural influence of God upon the mind of a rational creature, where it is formed to any degree of intellectual improvement beyond what it would at that time, and in those circumstances, have attained in a natural way, that is, by the usual exercise of its faculties, unassisted by any special divine interposition. Thus, if a man were instantaneously enabled to speak a language which he had never learned, how possible soever it might have been for him to have obtained an equal readiness in it by degrees, I believe few would scruple to say that he owed his acquaintance with it to a divine inspiration. Or if he gave a true and exact account of what he was doing at a distance, and published a particular relation of what he neither saw nor heard, as some of the prophets did, all the world would own, if the affair were too complex and the account too circumstantial to be the result of a lucky guess, that he must be inspired with the knowledge of it, though another account equally exact given by a person on the spot would be ascribed to no inspiration at all. But of this supernatural influence on the minds of men, forming them to such extraordinary intellectual improvements and abilities, there are various sorts and degrees, which it will be of importance for us accurately to distinguish from each other. If a person be discoursing either in word or writing, and God do miraculously watch over his mind, and however secretly direct it in such a manner as to keep him more secure from error in what he speaks or writes than he could have been merely by the natural exercise of his faculties, I should say he was inspired, even though there should be no extraordinary marks of high genius in the work, or even though another person, with a stronger memory or relating a fact more immediately after it happened, might naturally have recounted it with equal exactness. Yet still, if there was in this case anything miraculous, we must, on the principles above, allow an inspiration, and I would call this, to distinguish it from other and higher degrees, an inspiration of superintendency. If this influence should act in such a degree as absolutely to exclude all mixture of error in a declaration of doctrines or facts so superintended, we might then call it a plenary superintending inspiration, or, as I would choose for popular use to express myself in this discourse, a full inspiration. Now it will from hence follow, and I desire that it may be seriously attended to, that a book, the contents of which are entirely true, may be said to be written by a full inspiration, even though it contain many things which the author might have known and recorded merely by the use of his natural faculties if there be others which he did not so well know, or could not without miraculous assistance have so exactly recollected, or if, on the whole, a freedom from all error would not in fact have been found unless God had thus superintended or watched over his mind and pen. And in regard to such a production, it would be altogether impertinent and insignificant to inquire how far did natural memory or natural reason operate, and in what particular facts or doctrines did supernatural agency prevail. It is enough, if I know that what the author says or writes is true, though I know not particularly how he came by this or that truth, for my obligation to receive it arises from its being known truth, and not merely from its being made known this or that way. And should God miraculously assure me that any particular writing contained nothing but the truth, and should he at the same time tell me it had been drawn up without any miraculous assistance at all, 
though i could not then call it inspired i should be as much obliged to receive and submit to it on its being thus attested by god as if every single word had been immediately dictated by him it will follow further from what is said above that a book may be written by such full inspiration as i have described though the author being left to the choice of his own words phrases and manner there may be some imperfection in the style and method provided the whole contents of it are true if the subject be so important as to make it consistent with the divine wisdom miraculously to interpose to preserve an entire credibility as to the exact truth of facts recorded and doctrines delivered as divine if indeed god were represented as declaring such a book to be intended by him as an exact standard for logic oratory or poetry every apparent defect in either would be an internal objection against it but if it be represented only as intended to teach us truth in order to its having a proper influence on our temper and actions such defects would no more warrant or excuse our rejecting its authority than the want of a ready utterance or a musical voice would excuse our disregard to a person who should bring us competent evidence of his being a messenger from god to us i have been more particular in stating this kind of inspiration because it is that which i shall endeavour to assert to the sacred books of the new testament and this without any exception or limitation as they came out of the hand of the apostles though i allow it is possible they may in this or that particular copy and in some minuter instances which now perhaps affect all our remaining copies have suffered something by the injuries of time or the negligence of transcribers as well as printers which that they have in some particulars suffered is as notorious a fact as that there is a written or a printed copy of them in the world yet is at the same time a fact which no man of common sense or honesty can seriously urge against their authority though it be the main point in my view to prove that the new testament is written under that kind of inspiration which i have been explaining i must nevertheless beg leave to mention two other kinds of which divines often speak and which do also in a considerable degree belong to many parts of scripture though i think it neither expedient material nor safe to assert that they run through the whole of it i mean an inspiration of elevation and of suggestion the former as its name plainly intimates prevails where the faculties though they act in a regular and as it seems a common manner are nevertheless elevated or raised to some extraordinary degree so that the performance is more truly sublime noble and pathetic than what would have been produced merely by the force of a man's natural genius as for the particular degree of the divine agency where there is indeed something of this inspiration perhaps neither the person that is under it nor any other creature may be able confidently to pronounce concerning it perhaps nothing less penetrating than the eye of god himself may be able universally to distinguish that narrow line which divides what is natural from what is supernatural in all the productions and powers of imagination reasoning and language or in the effects and powers of memory under the former head it is a curiosity in the minute particulars of which we are not at all concerned as it is the same god which whether naturally or miraculously worketh all in all one corinthians twelve nine but if any excellency in the performance itself can speak it to be more than human productions of this sort are to be found in scripture and the rank and education of some of the sacred penmen render the hand of god particularly conspicuous in the sublimity and lustre of their writings 
what the gifts of the spirit may in every age of the church have done by operations of this kind we know not and i think it would be presumptuous absolutely to deny that god might act in some extraordinary degree on some of the heathen writers to produce those glorious works of antiquity which have been under the direction of his providence so efficacious on the one hand to transmit the evidences of divine revelation and on the other to illustrate the necessity of it in consequence of which i cannot forbear saying by the way that i think they who are intimately acquainted with them are of all men upon earth the most inexcusable in rejecting christianity but our inability to mark out the exact boundaries between nature and an extraordinary divine agency is not much to be regretted since it does not appear to be the design of providence by such elevations of sentiment style and manner by any means to bear testimony to the person adorned with them as a messenger sent to speak in his name which may as effectually be done in the plainest and simplest forms of expression without anything which looks like the heightenings of art or the sparklings of an extraordinary genius the other which divines have called immediate suggestion is the highest and most extraordinary kind of inspiration and takes place when the use of our faculties is superseded and god does as it were speak directly to the mind making such discoveries to it as it could not otherwise have obtained and dictating the very words in which these discoveries are to be communicated to others so that a person in what he writes from hence is no other than first the auditor and then if i may be allowed the expression the secretary of god as john was of our lord jesus christ when he wrote from his sacred lips the seven epistles to the asiatic churches and it is no doubt to an inspiration of this kind that the book of the revelation owes its original it is evident from the definitions above that there may be a full superintendency where neither of the latter kinds of inspiration of elevation or suggestion take place but i think we must necessarily allow that an inspiration of suggestion so far as it goes must also imply a full superintendency in recording the history of what has been seen or heard in any prophetic vision when it is necessary to make a report of it for as it would on the one hand be impious to imagine that the blessed god would dictate a falsehood to any of his creatures so neither can we suppose it consistent with the divine wisdom to suffer the prophet through infirmity to err in delivering a message with which he had expressly charged him and which would be given in vain so far as there was a failure in the exact delivery of it besides the last book of the new testament i mean the revelation which i have already mentioned in this view it seems evident to me that some other parts of it were given by such a suggestion seeing that there are so many predictions interspersed and so many mysteries revealed which lay entirely beyond the ken of any human or perhaps angelic mind but that this is applicable to all the history of it or to all things contained in its epistolary parts i choose not to assert for as it cannot be necessary to its entire credibility which nothing can more effectually secure than a full superintendency it would subject us to many difficulties which have been so forcibly urged by others that it is not necessary for me here to repeat them but i am well assured that the apparent insufficiency of the answers which have been returned to these objections by some very sincere but i think in this instance less judicious defenders of scripture has led some people to conclude that the scripture was not inspired at all 
as if it had been on both sides agreed that a universal suggestion was the only kind of inspiration worth contending about the consequence of this hath been that such as are dissatisfied with the arguments which these defenders of the divine authority of the scripture insist upon read the scriptures if they read them at all not to learn their authentic dictates but to try the sentiments contained in them by the touchstone of their own reason and to separate what that shall allow to be right from what it presumptuously concludes to be wrong and this boasted standard has been so very defective that on this mistaken notion they have not only rejected many of the most vital truths of christianity but even some essential principles of natural religion and thus they have in effect annihilated the christian revelation at the very same time that they have acknowledged the historical truth of the facts on which it is built this is the body of men that have affected to call themselves cautious believers but their character is so admirably well described under that of agrippa by my honoured friend dr watts in his little treatise called the redeemer and sanctifier that it may be sufficient here to have hinted it thus briefly as the reason why out of regard to them as well as others i have resumed the subject of inspiration and endeavoured to place it in what i do in my conscience apprehend to be both a safe and rational light that i may remedy so far as god shall enable me to do it the great and destructive evil i have just been mentioning and may establish in the minds of christians a due regard to the sacred oracles of eternal truth i shall now proceed to the second part of this discourse End of section one.